Yeah, Tyler, Rabib, and Justin, welcome back to the base space. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, of course. I'm jo- I'm joined here by my co-host, Super High and Chase. What up, guys? Hey, how's it going? Just the the high frog. Yeah, Tyler, Rabib, where are you guys? Uh, where are you guys based out of? I'm in Santa Clara, California. It's just south of San Francisco, uh, for everyone who knows where that is. Uh, I'm based in Ottawa, in, in Canada, so up north. Oh, let's go. That's dope. I love Canada. I've been there. I've been there a few times. It's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, well, snow is about to come in a couple months, so I'm not looking forward to that. But, you know, you got to deal with it when you're up this far north. <laughs> I I feel you, brother. I'm I'm in Colorado, so I'm enjoying the nice weather while while it's here until we get hammered with snow. Uh, well, yeah, welcome, guys. Uh, really, really excited to kind of dive into Sherpa Cash um, and your backgrounds. I know I know we've met Justin before, but we haven't met Tyler or Abib. Um, curious, uh, maybe maybe each of you could kind of like introduce yourself and and kind of cover how you got started in crypto. Sure. Yeah, we'll go ahead and go. Um, So I've been interested in crypto since uh, fairly early on, 2011, 2012. Um, Didn't really start working much in crypto until 2014. And then in 2016, uh, I quit a job um, up in San Francisco to work on the Open Bazaar project full time, which is uh, like a decentralized marketplace project. So I worked on that until 2020, and during that time, I uh, started doing a lot of protocol development and stuff. I uh, got introduced to Avalanche Consensus. Uh, I started working on building an Avalanche layer for a different coin. Um, and then in 2020, uh, OpenBazaar spun down, and so I transitioned to Avalabs to start working on Avalanche full-time. Um, so that's just a, a quick intro. Yeah, um, as for me, I only uh, really started re- really learning about crypto in around 2017 when, you know, a major bull run was happening. And uh, and I, at that time, I was interning at a legal clinic and they were asking me to, like, write an FAQ on crypto from a legal perspective. So I learned as much as I could. Uh, later on in uh, late 2020 is when I learned about Avalanche and uh really seemed like the next step for for the space so i decided hey maybe i should uh develop uh, in the ecosystem so that's how i got to where i am now that's really cool yeah you guys have definitely been working in the avalanche ecosystem for quite some time i'm curious like what, what was the spark for you guys to say like avalanches is that next step Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, so before this, I was working predominantly in uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin related coins. So, you know, Nakamoto consensus related coins. I uh, hadn't dipped too much into Ethereum at that time. So I hadn't put uh, too much research into like proof of stake protocols and stuff. Um, but, um, you know, we had the split of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash in 2017. And I, 
uh, went with the Bitcoin Cash side largely, um, which uh, was a minority proof of work chain. So um, at the time, it, it had about three percent hash rate, which is a, a very dangerous position for a, a proof of work coin to be in. So uh, I initially started researching Avalanche from the perspective of trying to create a uh, more secure layer for a uh, proof of work coin. And uh, through that research, I ended up finding, uh, you know, all the numerous benefits of Avalanche that um, today we, we talk about. At the time, it was, uh, it, it seemed like a huge discovery, but uh, instant finality, uh, strong finality. So once you make a decision, it's never going to be reorged away. Um, extremely scalable validator set, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and once I found that, it was, uh, you know, other improvements up until that point in time were like iterative improvements. They, they moved the needle 5% or 10%, but after really diving into Avalanche and seeing what it could do, uh, it became clear to me that there was uh, many orders of magnitude uh, improvements over what we had before. And so that's really when I decided I was going to go uh, nearly all in on focusing on it. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, like the real pro of Avalanche, when I was looking into it from the get-go was scalability. So yeah, scaling the number of validators, for instance, uh, being able to, you know, transact with fast finality, these things matter to me. Um, and what I was seeing so far is that uh, the existing blockchains didn't really uh, fit that, uh, let's say, specification. So when I found that Avalanche did, uh, that really intrigued me. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, Super Chase, we're, we're loving the low fees and the, and the fast transactions. Am I right? Yeah. yeah, I'm tired of paying like 60 bucks for a gas, 60 to $180 a gas fee on ETH. Yeah, and I mean, that it's actually, um, you know, it it brings kind of like enjoyment, right? It's like that, I saw the meme today, it's like the enjoyer. I don't know if you want to see those memes that have been going around, but um, that's how I felt like in the Avalanche ecosystem, you know, I'm like, I'm the enjoyer. It's like, oh, I enjoy this so much. I enjoy that. But no, yeah, with that, the low cost and the extremely fast fin finality, um, you actually get to play around without, you know, paying literally like an arm and a leg. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that really intimidated me as I tried to uh, work with Ethereum um, when I gave it like a little run, uh, tried using certain swaps and just waiting for like a minute for a swap to go through. Not sure if like I'm paying enough gas. It was really anxiety inducing and to just come to avalanche and just swap without even you know wondering whether it's going to go through or not that was really liberating yeah i'm actually um kind of like in line with this conversation tyler i want to kind of like circle back to you um you had said something kind of interesting i'd just be curious to hear your insights like at the time because i feel like for a lot of people in this industry it's like forgotten history uh could you could you kind of expand on your position at the time whenever the Bitcoin community was split um, and all this information was new and you had, you know, people um, and this was also before my time. So I'm kind of like regurgitating history at this point from how I understand it. But, 
you had essentially one community that wanted to keep the block size um, small and then one wanted to expand it. Is that right? Um, could you just kind of like walk us through like what you were thinking at that time and like why you wanted to go with the Bitcoin cash route? Yeah, sure. So um, from the from when I first got interested in crypto, uh, the ability to use it as a payment system uh, was the number one appeal to me. Um, there's a, you know, a, a very large narrative around Bitcoin being a store of value and its purpose is to be digital gold. And uh, because of its uh, supply characteristics, it's set up to uh, appreciate in value, to, uh, you know, deflate in supply over time. Um, and those properties are obviously always there, but before 2016, 2017, they were not nearly as prevalent, at least from, from my point of view, as they are now. There was a, a much larger uh, interest in just the, the ability to do censorship-resistant payments and all of the systems that can kind of come out of that. Um, but obviously, the technology was very new. Bitcoin was uh, more or less the only blockchain uh, at that point. Ethereum, well, you know, by 2017, Ethereum was more established. But when the scaling wars were really going, Ethereum was still fairly new um, and trying to prove itself. And so Bitcoin was really the only solid blockchain at the time. And we didn't know how to scale it very well. So there was a lot of hesitancy around increasing the block size past uh, one megabyte, which was a sort of a quick afterthought that Satoshi threw in at one point. Um, and so ultimately when it came down, it, it got to a point where in the summer of uh, 20, 2016, I think, maybe 2017, I'm, I'm getting kind of confused at this point on, on years, it's been so long ago, but uh, it got to a point where the, the fees were just getting untenable. I was working on Open Bazaar, which was a marketplace, and a lot of people were selling, you know, T-shirts and knickknacks and things that didn't really work with having a $100 transaction fee. So uh, that's when we really first started seeing this sort of trade-off coming into play between scalability and usability. Uh, so you want everybody to be able to validate the chain, but you also need the chain to be useful for people. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really like the way that it unfolded. The way that it unfolded was, as you said, there basically became two very entrenched camps that were really firmly behind their own, their own way. Um, I was, I was much more like in the middle. Um, I consider myself, uh, a medium blocker, which is, a uh, a term that sort of both sides use derisively, um, but but that's where I'm at. It was a lot easier to affect change at the Bitcoin Cash side because, frankly, it was a lot smaller, um, and and it was also more amenable to change um, and to experimenting and scalability improvements, like like Avalanche. So that's how I ended up finding Avalanche because we were researching it. Um, so, so that, that's how I ended up going with the uh, the Bitcoin Cash side. I, I saw a, a better route to a uh, truly scalable payment system that way. Um, that didn't necessarily work out, but uh, that was my thought at the time. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks for uh, diving into that a little bit further.
Yeah, Tyler, uh, Ravid, I'm curious, like, how did you guys come up with the concept for Sherpa Cash? Or, like, what was the inspiration behind behind the project? Actually, I think Justin owns this one. Uh, yeah, because you were the one to send out the initial Discord message, right? Yeah, pretty much. It was just, like, I, I wanted privacy on Avalanche. And, um, and I think I went onto the Avalanche Discord and I was like, hey, who wants to uh, do a tornado fork on Avalanche? Uh, DM me if you're interested. Um, and then I got like Sasquatch got hold of me, uh, Leo got hold of me, uh, Brandon, Cryptofish. Uh, and then we started this Discord server called Sherpa. And then like later on, we we're just incredibly lucky to get Rabib and Tyler on board. Um, it was just this like crazy. Yeah, literally, it was like one message on Discord, and then all these incredibly talented people just jumped on. It was just, yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was kind of funny um, for me and Rabib's side because uh, we had both mentioned on Twitter uh, on a, on the thread about what kind of stuff we want to see on Avalanche that we were interested in working on a on bringing Tornado to Avalanche, and so he reached out to me to talk about. Um, teaming up and, and doing that and making that happen. And we had started doing that. He had started deploying contracts and uh, we had done that for like maybe a week or two uh, before we found out that Sherpa had started. And somehow we, I think we had missed the, uh, the initial discord call to action. But uh, once we found out about it, we looked into the team and we saw that they were pretty legit. Uh, a bunch of people from Pangolin um, were, were involved. Justin was involved. So uh, we decided we would try to team up with, with Sherpa, and it, it's worked out really well. Um, we've ended up creating a really good team. That's, uh, we've done a lot of cool stuff on Sherpa, but we've also uh, started planning a lot of cool stuff on the side. So it was definitely a fortuitous uh, team up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, super chase. We definitely hear this kind of story a lot where people are volunteering and basically getting involved in projects through discords. And I think it's super cool just how crypto works like that and how open the community is to just collaboration. It's completely different than what you see in the traditional world. Yeah, I think that like the, um, the sort of borders between projects and between teams is really starting to um, stop, you know, not be as rigid. Uh, Tokens and coins sort of let value flow a lot more fluidly than they used to over the internet. And I think that that's resulting in um, people's ability to contribute value to projects being more fluid. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be a, a lifetime, full-time employee with a pension plan and all of that. You can uh, contribute a little bit of value and get compensated for that value and go on your way, or you can stick around and, and keep churning out value and keep collecting coins or or whatever. So I think that the crypto ecosystem is really um, totally set up and primed for that kind of collaboration. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, for example, like, you know, I come from a very enterprise uh, background uh, and, you know, they would have restraint of trades and they'd have all of this, like, you know, reams and reams of documentation. Uh, about what you can and can't do. And one of the best things about crypto is that like, you know, there's you can jump into these different projects that interest you. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's an, it negatively impacts 
the DAO you're a part of, it's actually incredibly beneficial. Like the knowledge I learned on Sherpa actually then benefits my work on other DAOs and vice versa. So having that exposure to projects that are doing slightly different things or exploring different avenues actually expands your skills as a contributor and and then it, it expands your ability to contribute to the broader ecosystem. No, 100%. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I guess at like a very high level, um, could you guys kind of summarize like what Sherpa Cash is for those that might not be familiar with, uh, with it at all? Yeah, sure. So um, essentially what it is, is it's a set of, let's say, mixing pools in which people can deposit their funds and depositing will give you a note that later on you can use to withdraw to uh, another wallet that will, due to the mathematics uh, behind Sherpa Cash, will be untraceable to the original depositing wallet. Essentially what we have is a relayer that does the transaction for you. Um, and the note acts as a kind of mathematical proof and uh, which which is verified by a smart contract. And uh, yeah, that's essentially what the function of Sherpa Cash is, is it allows you to move funds from wallet A to wallet B um, without an on-chain uh, link. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's it's funny because I was talking with uh, Super the other day. We were talking about some NFTs in the AVAX ecosystem. I think it was like the Wells. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. I may get this one. But I was like, I can't, I can't let you know, Super. I, I you know, I can't tell you which one. I want to dox my wallet. And, uh, you know, it, it was while I was playing around with your guys' services and kind of like looking into what the solutions that you guys offer. And I was like, oh, I was like, I, I literally can just use Sherpa. And then have a key to a brand new wallet and it would already have the, the AVAX where I could just go and buy an NFC if I really wanted to. Um, so kind of like diving into that, can you kind of touch on um, the individual services? I know there's varying deposit amounts that you can do and just kind of like what that looks like from a user perspective. Yeah, sure. So right now there are three denominations, or not denominations, but amounts of AVAX that you can deposit into these mixers. You can put in 10 AVOX, you can put in 100 AVOX, and you can put in 500 AVOX. Um, now, the way you do that is if you go to the website app.sherpa.cash, uh, you'll see an interface where you can select which pool you want to put your funds into. You just uh, connect your wallet, you click the big red deposit button, and then the app will generate a note uh, randomly, um, which will serve as a basically the proof that you deposited those funds. So you um, download that note, you check off that you've backed up your note, and then you click uh, the green button, which I think says deposit, and that will generate the transaction that will deposit your funds. Now, Later on, when you want to withdraw your funds, 
you go to the withdraw tab, you paste in your note and you paste in whatever wallet you want to withdraw the funds to. Then you click on the withdraw button. What'll happen is the app will use the note to generate the proof um, that will be validated by the smart contract. And then when that proof is generated and the transaction is submitted by the relayer, then uh, the recipient wallet will have the funds minus the relayer fees. So um, currently, I think uh, the, the, the one relayer that is operating right now will charge a 1% fee on all withdrawals. We're planning on adding community relayers. So community members who are interested in becoming relayers will be able to uh, through an approval process. So they'll be able to set their own fees. And uh, yeah, so that's how we're trying to um, add an element of decentralization there. So if anyone relayer goes down, there'll be other relayers that will be able to pick up the task there. That's awesome. And, and I, I played around with it. Um, I don't know if it was a day or two, a couple of days ago, a few days ago. Um, and it, it was it was very smooth. It was a very smooth process. And I love how like how, how easy it is to basically fund a brand new wallet and have that like privacy um, with that. But in addition to that, uh, I thought it was pretty cool that you guys offer like a compliance tool as like a service for your customers. Uh, could you guys kind of like dive into that? Yeah, sure. So the way the compliance tool works is you just click on the compliance tab of the app. Uh, you paste in whatever note uh, that you got. And and so the, the compliance tool will tell you, I believe, um, the amount that the note is worth, um, the, I think, address that uh, deposited the funds. And uh, if it's been withdrawn, it will show you the date of withdrawal, that it's been withdrawn, um, et cetera. So basically it gives you the information uh, corresponding to uh, the note that uh, you either uh, received during the deposit process or used with drop funds. Yeah, I wanna, uh, I'd like to say a little, something about the, the compliance thing, which goes into my larger philosophy around on-chain privacy, which is that, you know, to make, the original goal of crypto was basically we want cash, but we want it on the internet and we don't want anybody to be a single point of failure. Um, to make that happen successfully, we lost a very useful property of cash, which is that there is no, you know, cash transactions are only between the two parties involved directly. Um, they're not for the whole world to see. So if I if I give Rabib $100, I'm not telling the whole world about that. Now, obviously there are uh, legal and financial reasons that people do need to to actually track their money, um, both for reporting to their governments and also for like internal accounting and stuff. And so the fact that, that everything is public, um, while it's unfortunate from a privacy perspective, um, it is also very useful from like an accounting perspective. We've seen a lot of tools like token tax and 
and other accounting software that's able to sort of take your address and then calculate all sorts of interesting accounting information based on your on your information. So uh, with Sherpa, you know, we want to bring back the good parts of cash, but we don't want to necessarily also get rid of some of those more useful uh, or necessary components of cash, like the ability to do reporting or the ability to do accounting. So uh, the combination of the Sherpa privacy pools along with the opt-in compliance tool allows you to really take back control over which transactions you, you report, which transactions you make public. Um, and that, that takes it exactly back to where cash is at right now. Um, so I think it's very important to have both of those tools available to users. So I'm really glad that you, that you called out the compliance tool. I think it's uh, not a lot of people talk about it when we're talking about Sherpa, but I definitely think it's important to mention. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm right there with you, and that's like another thing I've been kind of like looking into generally is just um, blockchains that have privacy with the DeFi built in. Um, you know, because at, at the end of the day, all of us within this chat listening, you know, we're the early adopters, like we're the testers, like we're you know this is like in beta testing right now, and so um, we're so ahead of the curve, and um, you know, for this to really grow, I think we're going to need that that one, the compliance and just having that like privacy with the compliance where you have that cash like function, but in a digital world. So um, I'll go ahead and pass it over to Super. I think Super, you, you look like you had something to say. Yeah, um, I just had a question about that token allocation, right? So the ZK DAO and the DAO Treasury have a, a combined total of 31% ownership of the tokens and uh, the anonymity mining has 37%. So that's roughly 68%. Um, I was wondering if that would stay in the shareholders' hands or if you think that people would sell off just to keep tokens circulating um, or if they would just hold it for governance of the protocol. Uh, can I take this one, um, if that's okay? Um, so, so just to give everyone a bit of background, um, we had like you know, so when everyone within the Sherpa team formed, you know, like most of us on that original team, you know, and the team now, like we wanted privacy on Avalanche. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to bring uh, privacy to Avalanche, and you know, so we had a lot of discussions about you know, should we just bring it? and not release a token. So there were lots of back and forth. And, you know, kind of we decided that we'll release a token because it means someone else will then just launch a product with a token and then, you know, Sherpa won't really be sustainable. So what we actually decided was that the founders tokens, so we originally had a founders token allocation. And what we all decided, and, you know, since we're a DAO, we all voted. We decided we'd donate the founders allocation to a ZK DAO. Um, that name may change in the future, um, but basically what that DAO's point is, is to advance the science um, and research around zero knowledge. So that DAO, that money will be utilized, um, you know, kind of advancing the science of zero knowledge. And then the anonymity mining will be basically, you know, when you deposit into Sherpa, you'll then be rewarded Sherpa in the form of anonymity mining. Now, we want to start decentralizing and bringing governance in. So, you know, in terms of, you know, Tornado, the way that they did it, that anonymity mining did create some downward pressure. Um, 
we don't know which way our community is going to go. Like, for example, if we open up governance and we allow community members to vote um, on what tokens they want to actually allow to deposit and withdraw in the ecosystem, I've got a suspicion that obviously stable coins is going to be very high up there. But there's also a large um, probability that users will vote to have Sherpa as a token to deposit and withdraw. Um, so there's quite a lot of things that, that in, you know, one of the beautiful things about the space is once you, <laughs> once you open it up to a broad amount of people, you're not quite sure. You, you, it's hard to predict which way the community is going to take the project. Um, and then I think we set aside also treasury and that's really to kind of fund the future development. Um, you know, if we want to go into subnets or things like that, that, that allows us to spend money, uh, to perform that, that type of development and, you know, ensuring that Sherpa remains sustainable in the long term. Yeah, I'd like to, to add to that. Yeah, no. Oh, I just wanted to add real quick, you know, the, no. the most important uh, resource that Sherpa as a project has is our pool of anonymity. So the more deposits we get into each of those pools that we talked about, uh, the more anonymity everybody else gets so it's a shared resource that makes everybody better off so the the primary uh value that the sherpa community has to sort of steward and guard over uh is the contributions to the school which really the 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 lever for that is is basically controlling which pools exist and what the anonymity mining rewards are for those uh, so it, all, all, that that's all that all is to say that ultimately it's up to the community to sort of balance how much rewards we're paying out um, versus the downward pressure we see on the price versus the number of deposits that we see into pools. So um, a lot of that, you know, is really not up to us. <clears throat> it's up to the community. Um, but that's those are the those are the mechanics at play that I see that are going to dictate um, sort of where the token goes. I appreciate that uh, answered all my questions. Yeah, and I, I may have missed this. Is so is will Sherpa Cash eventually be a token that will be used to where you can like lock up? Yeah, so that is ultimately up to the community. Um, I, I think that it's extremely likely, but um, I don't. I don't think that as a team we're going to unilaterally add that at this point. Uh, so we've created the initial pools, uh, the, the 10, 100, and 500 ABACs. Uh, I think these are sort of the, the base requirement pools that we need to exist. Uh, from this point, I think the best thing to do is for us to get governance in place and really let the community drive what future pools we add. Gotcha. So what... Um... What, what utility outside of the governance is kind of included with the Sherpa token? So I'll jump in, yeah. So so ultimately, SERP is a governance token. Um, so the utility, so this is an interesting one, right? So, uh, you know, I always struggle sometimes because I've got quite a big mouth and I say things maybe that I, I shouldn't, but um, privacy tokens are incredibly risky. So with, with, with Sherpa, you know, right from the very start of this project, we had lawyers involved and, you know, the lawyers we're always like, you know, privacy tokens are very risky to be a member of. 
Um, so we have to make sure, I mean, not only because it's a risky aspect, we also want to make sure that we are, we, we remain true to the ethos of a community governed project. So things like utility, yes, we can add utility and we do have some ideas about this. So for example, you know, some of the ideas that have been floating around, I'm not saying these are going to happen. I'm just talking about some of the conversations we've had. So some of them is that we would, because relayers make a profit from uh, the Sherpa protocol, we thought about and discussed whether it makes sense to have a relayer have a certain amount of Sherpa before they can become a relayer. Um, we've talked about things like, do we charge, um, you know, some uh, Sherpa for each transaction? So you have to have, you know, five Sherpa for you to log in through the front end which also means then if you don't want to pay that, you can just interact with the smart contracts directly. So we've talked about a lot of these things. Um, but having said that, you know, that's all they've been at this stage is, is conversations. Gotcha. And so, um, you know, let's say uh, I've deposited 100 AVAX or, um, yeah, AVAX. Is that just kind of sitting in a smart contract, sitting in a wallet? Like what happens to that? that money once it enters the Sherpa ecosystem. Yeah. So there's actually a smart contract for every pool where, uh, that those funds are actually sitting, right? So the 10 pool has a smart contract, the hundred, the 500, they all have their individual smart contracts. And, uh, if you look at the amount that they're holding, you can actually, um, understand, uh, also how many open deposits there are. Um, like unwithdrawn, unspent notes there are um, that are actually contributing to anonymity um, to uh, the to the mixer, right? So, yes, uh, the funds are there. They're on chain. So you can see them all. Yeah. No, so what I was getting to is I was just trying to think, you know, it's like, let's just say, you know, Sherpa down the line has hundreds, you know, hundreds of thousands of users. And at any given time, there could be, you know, several hundred million dollars potentially sitting in these um, smart contracts not being used. I was just thinking like, if the DAO could somehow kind of, you know, use some sort of proof of reserves and potentially have that pool working in some sort of DeFi pool on the back end and do revenue sharing with like token holders. Like, is that something that could be possible potentially, or am I like way outside of bounds here? It's absolutely uh, possible from a from a technical point of view. It's something that we don't have the ability to do today, um, only because it's not built. However, I f I fully agree that that is probably going to be a uh, a necessary improvement uh, to the privacy. Coin space, uh, specifically this sort of protocol where you're you're depositing coins into a pool and then withdrawing them later. Um, I think that uh, the the usage of those protocols is only going to grow. So the reserves that they have is only going to grow. And like you said, at some point, it's going to get to a place where uh, it's really just not um, economically reasonable to to let potentially a billion dollars sit there um, when you can put it into relatively low or even sometimes no risk um, alternative DeFi protocols 
obviously there's a, a balance to play here between uh, capital efficiency and how well we utilize capital in the pools versus the security and the those funds always being there. Um, that's another thing I think the community is going to have to decide, but that is uh, it's certainly possible. And I think it's a, a very likely avenue of exploration over the next year or two. Yeah, and, uh, I'd like to add that, yeah, I'm also very personally interested in that possibility. Um, particularly though, I think the reason why it is the way it is now is because we wanted, uh, to really ensure the security of the funds inside the contract. So we made sure to stay like extremely close to the original code of the tornado cash developers because they had their code audited by numerous parties some of which are professional cryptographers. So yeah, we, we were very keen on remaining uh, close to the original, although we are uh, definitely looking at how we can make improvements. Uh, and I think uh, at least uh, to speak for myself, I'm very, very concerned about um, making sure that whatever improvements we do make are going to be strictly audited and rigorously tested absolutely yeah there's so we we were fortunate enough to have inherited a lot of extremely high quality and well tested and well audited code from the tornado team which was wonderful uh, and it allowed us to get to market quickly um, but future innovations are going to mean that we're building a lot more of our own stuff and so it means that we're going to have to start getting that stuff reviewed and audited on its own. Um, and so uh, making these sort of larger changes is going to uh, not just be a, a technical issue, but also somewhat of a, uh, a change in process and administrative tasks from the kind of stuff we've done before. But um, it's absolutely doable. It's just something that we we need to make sure that we are extremely cautious about. Okay. Um, I'm actually curious, uh, are you guys going to be involved in Avalanche Rush uh, with any of the incentives? We don't have any any plans of being involved with Avalanche Rush at this time, um, okay. but certainly if that changes, we will uh, communicate that through our Twitter and Discord. Cool. Um, so, Shifting gears here a little bit and moving towards uh, your guys' roadmap. Um, potential alpha for all the live listeners here. Uh, could you guys talk about the early users um, within the Sherpa ecosystem? And what's like on the roadmap for, uh, I think, like by the end of this month? I can jump in. It's end of the month, so next week. <laughs> um, so we've we, we've got um, so so our, obviously governance and anonymity mining are the two big uh, ticket items that we want to get live. Um, so governance, I think, is very important at, uh, to get the community involved. Um, so we've got the snapshot come in. Well, that I've, I've, I tested that this morning. 
So snapshot, a very basic snapshot is working for off-chain voting. Um, then obviously we got to discuss, um, you know, kind of guidelines for that voting because what you do notice sometimes in running uh, large communities and DAOs is that if you're not focused on what people can vote on, you get like a proliferation of kind of um, votes that don't really um, add a lot of value. So we need to kind of define the guidelines and then start getting people to vote on those. Um, and then anonymity mining, obviously, that creates um, a lot more security for the platform, as Tyler mentioned. Um, so we have discussed what the anonymity mining looks like, the parameters of that. Um, you know, Rabib's done a hell of a lot of great work already in this. I can't talk too much on timelines. You know, what, what happens with these things is, you know, given timelines in technical engineering is always challenging. Uh, but governance... We'll definitely release some information about that in the next week or so. Um, and then anonymity mining is being worked on. So that will come fairly soon, we'd imagine. That's awesome. No, <laughs> I love that you you went into that. Um, I was going to get to those points, but I was talking about the, uh, the airdrop potentially. Are you guys still planning on doing airdrop for early adopters are using the uh, protocol? <laughs> when airdrop <laughs> um yeah definitely um i think we sent out m the last airdrops for you know the kind of early campaigns and then i think we've got some airdrops for if you delegate to the sherpa nodes uh so we run in like a an avalanche validator so there'll be an airdrop uh, airdrop campaign for that and then there'll also be uh an airdrop campaign for uh early uh, community members that utilize the protocol yes um, I'm not sure when the distribution schedule is uh, planned for, but yeah, uh, we've got a meeting tomorrow morning, Australian time, so I'm pretty sure that'll be on the agenda. Gotcha. And so to be eligible for that um, in the docs, it said you need to make a deposit transaction. Um, is that still accurate or is there any other things yeah, that need it, to be done? No, it's pretty simple. Just make a deposit. Uh, and then we'll go through all the deposits and then, uh, you know, randomize them to determine winners. Gotcha. So if and you, yeah. you guys, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say that deposit transaction has to be on mainnet. A lot of people have been asking, yo, does it count if, it, if, it's, if it's on Fuji? Uh, it's only for mainnet users. So, yeah, just clarifying that. I think that's a great clarification. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> so if you guys are listening and want to want to test out, this is like a good uh, good reason to test out this protocol and see see what these guys are building. Um, also, one thing that I thought was really cool down the line that I think could have like you know massive ramifications is uh, you guys are kind of doing subnet integrations. Um. So in long, long-term horizon, you know, this is definitely something that's come up in conversation. Um, I think for, from my perspective, I want to learn more about um, the feasibility of doing that. And that comes down to where Avalanche is going to go with their Blueberry upgrade and, and what that's going to look like. Um, one thing I mentioned in private chat like one day was like, wouldn't it be cool if we used Sherpa as gas on like a, a, a privacy subnet, like something like a subnet that's like Zcash, but that uses Sherpa as gas? I don't know. I was just thinking out loud there. But uh, yeah, that's that's something that definitely is on my mind. 
I, I'll also comment on something that's just because, like, I'm kind of you know, I love the, the concept so much. Um, subnets are still pretty new to Avalanche. So, um, so what that means is you're almost building, like, you, you, you're not, you know, it's not like a traditional thing or software where you can put, like, a traditional spec specification and then spend six months building according to that specification. Because Ava Labs are still kind of building it at the same time, you're almost building it, you can't build in parallel, but you, you, you've kind of got to follow slowly behind them as they implement um, all of the features. Um, like subnets are awesome. And, and like I'm, there, there's so much cool opportunity there for zero knowledge subnets, um, for all sorts of cool things. It's just um, we have to align with Ava Labs' roadmap too. Uh, and what that looks like is, you know, we're, we're still figuring out what, what that looks like in practicality. Gotcha. Thanks for uh, the additional context. Yeah, I'm. I'm also curious. Like, what are your what are your marketing plans uh, for Sherpa to like increase volume and and attract new users to the to the project? Yeah, I'll jump on this one. I mean, so we're lucky in a lot of ways that Avalanche Rush is bringing such attention into the ecosystem. Um, so privacy is a much needed service, right? So the thing is, I guess there's two ways of growing our user base and, you know, indeed the volume. Um, so the first one is obviously uh, external factors. So we're lucky in the fact that Avalanche is completely blown up at the moment. There's a lot of kind of TVL coming come in into the ecosystem, which is coming from a variety of sources, a variety of incentive programs. And naturally, a subset of that volume uh, will flow into a privacy protocol because privacy is a, a very valuable and required commodity. Um, and then in terms of broader marketing, obviously, what we've got to do is we've got to differentiate ourselves. You know, marketing in crypto is quite an interesting one. Um, you know, so obviously, there's AMAs like this to uh, raise brand awareness. Um, you know, there's all those kind of things that come with it. Again, anonymity mining is very, uh, it's a very attractive proposition to get users involved. What I think Sherpa did incredibly well and something that I'm incredibly proud of was when we originally launched the token, uh, we wanted to make sure we didn't exclude anyone. So if we wanted to launch the token, we couldn't sell to US citizens on the primary market because it wouldn't be legal. So we did a DAO to DAO sale. So we actually sold the original allocation to Sherpa, there were to no VCs. We sold to Snowball and we sold to Penguin Finance and they then distributed Sherpa to their users via their staking mechanisms and a bunch of other stuff. So the way that I think Sherpa grows is actually by, you know, really, really building out those strong DAO to DAO partnerships. We've got incredible partners. We've got very good relationships within the ecosystem. There's an incredible amount of very talented projects. For example, Penguin would like to include privacy as a default um, on their platform, you know, and then that way we're not only uh, attracting new users to Sherpa, we're also then targeting existing customer bases, or if you call them customers or community bases, um, and I think that's a very key thing for me personally is like, you know, building out these partnerships with projects in the ecosystem that we trust and respect.
Yeah, I, I honestly love that. The partnership part that you just touched on, being able to integrate directly with other with other DEXs, making it like a default feature that people can use. I think that, that could be massive for brand awareness and getting more people to actually be using the project. Um, I was also kind of kind of curious, like I know it's a little bit more future forward. I don't know if you guys are planning this far ahead, but like what are what are like the big initiatives that you guys are hoping to accomplish, say like next year and in 2022. I, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go. Um, so I, from my perspective, I think that one of the most important things we can do, other than obviously the stuff that we've already discussed, like governance and anonymity mining, uh, is to decentralize the relayer system more. So the, uh, the relayer system is pretty clever. Um, there was probably not a better solution that would have allowed Tornado and then subsequently us to, to go to market as well as it did. And the, um, the, over, the, the, the drawbacks are not terrible for the user of the platform. The biggest issue with relayers is that they put a lot of burden on the operator of the relayer. They put a lot of risk um, that that uh, isn't ideal. And the way that the relayer system is structured right now um, does not make it amenable to having operators easily uh, say coming in and out of the network and quickly providing services anonymously and, and leaving like you can do um let's say uh, validation or block production or, or just DeFi liquidity provision so i think personally the the biggest thing i want to accomplish for sherpa in 2022 is building a, re a robust decentralized relayer system uh, that will get rid of the the current system where a bunch of people set up servers and then we point the front end to the servers directly um, into a system that is more sort of like a, a cryptocurrency where you, you create your proof and then you distribute it out to a peer-to-peer -peer network and then uh, anybody can earn fees by coming in and, and doing the relay portion. So I think I, personally, I think that's the most important thing that we could do. Uh, in 2022, other than the stuff we've already talked about. So that's going to be my personal uh, focus and goal, I think. I, I'd love to hear what, what Justin and Rabib think, but uh, that's definitely my number one. I'll jump in. Um, yeah, 2022. I mean, so if I'm looking at 2022, what are we in now? September, October, November, December. So that's, you know, so January it starts. We're going to my thing is what what tyler talks about really makes sense for a validator too right so you know one of the things with running subnets um so we we i personally think subnets are really going to hit kind of uh, mainstream adoption in in about six months um so if we're thinking that's going to happen probably around march of next year then what you got to think about is okay if you're going to design a subnet how do you design an incentive scheme that people that then validate your subnet are economically incentivized and rewarded to do. 
Um, so this is something that I've thought of, <laughs> I've probably thought about way too much, uh, probably a little bit unhealthily. But what you've got to do is you've actually got to have a protocol that has some form of revenue stream, and that revenue stream um, has to then go back to the validators, right? Um, you know, so yeah, you can give them tokens, but that's kind of like you know you can only give away tokens for so long before either they run out or they they lose their value. Ultimately, you need to have some form of underlying um, revenue stream that makes your protocol self-sufficient and self-sustaining over the long term. Uh, and to do that, you need to then encourage actors uh, that also then profit from your protocol. And then by that, you get network effects. And eventually you get to a point where like, you know, it, it's just it's just too big to fail almost if enough people are economically incentivized to be part of it. Um, so that's a big thing for me is if we want to do look, I also think with institutions coming into the space and regulations coming into the space, things like Sherpa are going to become like not only just like uh, a nice to have, they're going to become something that if we don't be very careful, they're our last refuge against encroaching um like people encroaching on freedoms so that's just me personally man like i just see that we need to so a lot of the things i think about is in an ever-changing landscape how do we make sure that we have some ability to protect our freedoms um yeah that's probably all i'll say about that uh and on my side i'm really interested in how we can generate value for uh, our community. So for instance, uh, what one of the hosts mentioned was, um, you know, how, like, can we use some kind of proof of reserve? Um, so I'm thinking, you know, we already have Sasquatch on the team. Maybe there's a potential integration with Snowball there. Maybe we can use, you know, a yield, um, I'm not sure what they're called, yield aggregator um, in order to generate value with funds that are held inside Sherpa contracts, uh, maybe we can, you know, uh, implement uh, some kind of flash loan scheme. Um, and, you know, the more secure the idea, uh, you know, that's what I'm really looking to get. Uh, but of course, while bearing in mind that I want to generate value for our community. So, that's what's really on my mind uh, going into this next year. No, I think I think those are all really, really great and worthy worthy initiatives. Um, I think we're all we're all really looking forward to just seeing the project grow, grow and expand, and, and so early. And um, yeah, lo I'm loving it. Uh, I know uh, Justin, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but. Um, you know, I, I want the last thing I want to really dig into you guys is like the future of privacy. Like when you think about what you guys are doing for privacy, it's essential to the ecosystem. It's essential to people's freedom. Like where do you guys view view the industry move, moving with regulation and with compliance and maybe, uh, you know, in line with like what the SEC has been putting out? Like do you, do you guys see that um, – you guys see like regulation and so forth as like a threat to your your protocol or how do, how do you guys plan to like defend against um like regulation and compliance 100 percent um our lawyer told like from the very first day we started sherpa our lawyer was like guys you know you have to take certain precautions 
uh, it's 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 been front and center of our minds throughout this entire process. We've had team members that left the project because they were too scared. We had uh, some people from Europe that they they just didn't want to deal with um, any potential issues, so they actually left the project. Um, it's it's the reality of a privacy project, right? So who they're going to come for first um, when they come? Um, you know, it's going to be the privacy projects. I mean, I live in Australia. And like they've made it illegal in inverted commas to purchase Monero. Like if you try to buy Monero on Binance in Australia, it blocks you. Um, you know, so the, these are kind of things that are going to occur. Um, you know, uh, so like the, the blockchain offers us incredible benefits, but it also offers us some scary dystopian futures um, too. So. Yeah, it's hard to know exactly what will happen. Um, you know, the SEC or the SEC, you know, they've that's only one country theoretically, right? So um, also, you know, no one can really stop you interacting with the blockchain, at, like at a, at a at the blockchain level. Um, privacy is going to be an interesting one, right? Because once people start putting their identity on the blockchain, well, you know, you think Facebook is a bunch of, <laughs> I won't voice my opinion on Facebook, but if you think some of their business practices uh, aren't that ethical, wait until people can track your identity on the blockchain, uh, which is already happening. There's literally businesses now and their sole business is to track you on the blockchain and sell that data to governments. You think that's not happening? There's a huge company that's currently doing it now. Um, I think Chainify is the name. Uh, and there's others. So this is happening. People are already using machine learning to track, um, you know, what's been happening on the blockchain, who you're transferring money to, what's happening. And, you know, some of that, you know, like the thing is, I'm not like I'm all for paying my taxes. I'm all for being regulatory compliant and I do everything I can to be. But I'm also quite a private person, you know, like I want to have my privacy. I'm like, in some ways, I'm an introvert and I really like like being by myself and with my family. And I don't think the rest of the world needs to know that. So I think we, yeah, we have to be very careful because it's it's very easy with to change into quite a dystopian future and quite quickly if we're not careful. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, it does. It does concern me with like so much public information being available about individuals. And um, no, I'm a hundred percent aligned to you. That's a little. It can be very uh, dystopian if you start really digging into it. I mean, this is something Chase and Super, we talk about this all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild, man. Well, I, I wish you guys the best of luck with all the compliance. And uh, yeah, I'm, re I'm really, really interested to see just how it pans out with these type of privacy services. And the bat I'm sure there'll be battles to be fought. Um, but it will be interesting to see. I think, you know, crypto Twitter is so unique, like the crypto community is so unique. Um, it'd be interesting to see like tens of thousands of users kind of rallying together, um, you know, to, to fight some of these maybe upcoming regulations and compliance around these privacy coins. Yeah, I think, you know, like, I think there's like, you know, ultimately stronger together, right? But like a lot, a large part of that is educating people, I think, you know, so like a lot of people, 
don't really yeah you, you know like i think now you're seeing because there's so much money in crypto you, you're going to start seeing lobbying parties and you're going to start seeing you know more political parties that are aligned with crypto um yeah um so yeah it's an interesting one i mean i just today or last week you know snowden came up and said express vpn has been compromised so you know it's just so hard sometimes to keep ahead of what you can actually do Wait, I just bought a subscription to Express. Dude, yeah, look at uh, Snowden was like, he came out, he was like, if you use ExpressVPN, don't. Apparently, like, the founder has been, like, involved in a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm looking into using, I think it's Orchid or Orchid, which is, like, the decentralized VPN. Um, Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I need my money back. (laughs) Justin, Justin. (laughs) I just bought it not even a week ago. I bought a year membership. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you need to get a for that for sure. Definitely. I mean, they like as a VPN service, they have one job. So, um, yeah, I'd get my money back though for sure. No, it's 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 a wild future. That's for sure. Um, you guys kind of answer all my questions. Super Chase, did you guys have any have any additional questions for the for the team? No, um, got all my answers. Thank you, guys. Yeah, same on my end. Uh, I just want to say appreciate y'all for taking the time out and uh, coming out to the show. I know you guys are all busy, you know, building the AVAX ecosystem. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It was really great. Um, so thanks for letting us uh, come on and, and talk to everyone about Sherpa and what we're working on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rivet. My bad. No, no, I just wanted to say thanks, everyone, like, to, to bring us on. It was, an, it was a great chat. Let's go. Um, we do sometimes leave room at the end of the chat for, like, audience questions. Would you guys be okay with that to see if anyone had had questions from the audience? Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, if anyone yeah, from the audience wants to come on, just request. Well, you guys on one at a time. Um, I'm not sure. We'll see. CWO has been requesting for quite some time. I don't know. Hey, how's it going? I am doing good. Sitting back, having a little, uh, 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 have some questions uh, for the team. Um, I think my first question is kind of like, uh, like use case. We all saw uh, V Finance got uh, wrecked, um, and the um, I'm wondering what what mechanisms uh, like a Sherpa Cash has to help the community when something malicious happens um you know sherpa is a great tool for anonymity but it's also can it's a great tool for uh maybe uh aiding a perpetrator of a of a malicious action um what what mechanisms will sherpa have or is there thoughts about how sherpa can work with the community when something does happen like this to at least say hey we're not going to allow whoever perpetrated this uh uh uh, this action to um, to use our platform to uh, move the 
funds illicitly got, um, you know, to, you know, to off, to offload that in an anonymous way. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we really don't have any more control over that than say the avalanche validators do. Um, right. So, uh, not, you know, the, the contract is deployed and, uh, even, even if we were to attempt to say, put in a guard on like the, the front end side, um, the, there's no way to, to prevent deposits to the contracts. Um, that's something that the, that, you know, the AVAX validate it's, it's basically in the hands of the validators. Um, so, uh, I, I think that really it comes down to, um, a choice, you know, it's a choice that the community has to make on, do they, do they want to deposit their coins into a pool and potentially provide anonymity to feature bad actors or do they do they agree with me and I think with the rest of the team that ultimately the, the benefits of a project outweigh the, the potential negatives. Um, that, that's just my my opinion on that. Yeah, like if you look at if you look at what happened with V and you know it was awful. Like I was watching it in real time and it was like it was awful to see. You know, you hate, I mean, I know their team and, and you just feel so, yeah, it's just awful all around. But I, I guess the thing is anonymity is a bit like free speech, right? So the thing is, you know, is it is it a binary or is it a kind of spectrum? Um, you know, uh, and, and, and it's a hard one, right? Like, you know, you'd hate for anyone to utilize your protocol for ill will. But if you believe in anonymity, you got to believe that, like, That's right. you know, there's, there's good people and there's bad people. And regardless of the tools, you know, some people are going to use them for, for viable things and other people are going to misuse them. If you actually look at what happened with Fee, the dude actually, well, I'm thinking it's a dude, but it could have been a lady too. Um, yeah, they actually used Tornado on Ethereum first. So they actually then went, they were on Ethereum, they went through Tornado, they then came across onto Avalanche and then they actually exited via the bridge back to Ethereum. So in that specific use case, and, and again, in a multi-chain world, whether they actually do the anonymity on Avalanche or they bridge it off, yeah. there's still going to be some mechanism regardless of whether it's Chirp or someone else. Right. That's a, that's a good point. It's, you know, once the bridge is there, you're not going to be able to, you're, you can't you can't stop every leak in a dam if somebody's if somebody is able sophisticated enough to uh, uh, perpetrate then they're probably sophisticated enough to find multiple ways off uh, uh, out of that um, and then I guess my uh, 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 second question just to every anybody what uh, what on avalanche to date does any do people see as the most significant vote? And some uh, significant DAO action to date. I uh, sometimes wonder about DAOs in terms of we kind of all know where North Stars are in, ter uh, in terms of, you know, this is what is good for business. This is what is good for, you know, uh, our token holders. And I just was curious as to from just in general sense, what what people see as the most significant vote to date. I can jump on. Um, I mean, again, it depends on where you stand politically, right? Like, do you view, are you more like in terms of kind of a small government? Do you think of like in terms of a bigger democracy? And like, I think each DAO and project kind of 
represents a different part of that spectrum. So like some projects are super centralized, you know, you might have like two developers that run the project and they can move very agilely and they can do things very fast, mm. but then there's no community involvement, which, you know, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just, it's a spectrum. Um, I think there's a huge vote coming through on Pangolin, which I've been involved in, which I think will be the biggest, uh, in my opinion, uh, vote on the Avalanche network. And that's actually to reduce the supply of Pangolin down by 57%. So in terms of, I guess, uh, broader uh, impact across the ecosystem, I'd argue that's probably the biggest vote that Avalanche has had. Well, will have. Well, will have. This point. Yeah. And, Okay. I, I appreciate that viewpoint. Yeah, I'm still I still look around for something where I'm, where the community has actually voted kind of against what the developers might naturally have done anyway. And uh, and I've seen a few votes on Snowball um, that like at least get you thinking. Um, and then my last question might be: uh, I recently purchased an NFT for Sherpa on Snowball, um, and I'm psyched to have it and just support the team and whatever. I'm wondering if there was any utility coming with that or am I missing that there has already been a utility applied with that? With, with the NFT, um, I think you actually, it invoked a, I'd need to speak to Leo about this. Um, I think with those NFTs, all of the money we made from the NFTs was utilized for a buyback program, which I think will be distributed back to the NFT holders. I could be wrong. It's hard to keep up with all of the cool things, yeah, yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, now it's just buy. You buy quickly and hope something happens versus uh, can't wait around to hear about what the uh, what the actual benefit is, right? So, um, but happy to support the team and the efforts. Um, I see uh, well, that, if I can ask one more question or just one more, any observation on uh, tornado uh, tornado coming over themselves or at least having that vote i don't know if it's actually been ratified yet and what that means to sherpa or uh is that to, to, to sherpa just it, it's inevitable that because of avalanche's growth that that everybody's going to come here and it's just make space for them and uh and yet still be advancing uh the you know the sherpa platform itself i mean you know, Tornado, like, you, you, you know, them come in. I mean, we reached out to them. There was a few odds and ends that, that flew. But in my mind, I think we're, we try to be as honorable as possible to them. Totally. Uh, um, you know, so my thing is also these te these teams, sometimes it becomes a very much, uh, they become distracted, right? So, like, can you imagine how hard it is managing communities on five different chains? So how many chains are Tornado on? I think they're on Ethereum, maybe XDAI, maybe Polygon. So the thing is, you know, that's a it's a distribution of resources where Sherpa is Avalanche native. So, yes. um, and I find that with a lot of projects, you see these projects, look at Sushi launching on Avalanche. Like they were there yeah. in like March and they've done nothing. Done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They might line up at the Avalanche rush window and see what, if it can, you know, it, 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 when they come here, just because the Avalanche rush, you, I think the community that, that we built, um, the the authenticity of the people and the projects um you, you might actually get people who are you know kind of non-native unfriendly right mm. 
look, we, we, we want people in Avalanche, right? We grow together, right? Like a rising tide lifts all boats. So we want, we want people. We want talented people. And Tornado are incredibly talented. So right. if they can bring their skills and expertise and we can grow together, competition ultimately helps us improve too. Um, you know, let's like for me, let's build this Avalanche. Like if Avalanche goes mental, we all win by that. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the time. Yeah, just to also uh, add on to uh, answering that question, uh, bear in mind that, you know, Tornado and Sherpa, while the initial kind of project, uh, you know, has the same sort of functionality, uh, we are two different teams with, uh, you know, completely independent directions in terms of where we want to go in terms of improving our projects. So, you know, all power to them and what they want to do on whatever chains they're deployed on. But uh, we are interested in giving value to the Avalanche ecosystem and our community. So that's what we're about. And, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what Tornado does. Thanks for coming on, CWO. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, if anyone else has questions you can request now, I'll give it a few seconds. Otherwise, we'll we'll wrap it up here. All right. Uh, Justin, Tyler, Rabib, just really appreciate the three of you taking the time out tonight to come on the base space. Um, stay based. Let's do it. I'll, I'll let you guys go. Peace, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Peace, guys. Always a pleasure. Bye. <laughs> Peace. Peace, guys. I guess. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.